You're listening to Minor Talk On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with Minor Talk by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. Minor Talk is live along with Sal Montes, Zay Galindo. It's the OG crew to start the year. They're all uh, here. We are all live. And uh, it's been a while, guys, since us three have done a show together. So it's uh, great to be back, us three. We feasted uh, throughout the show today. Uh, Thanks and shout out to Pizza Joint. Uh, Love the food out there. And, uh, yeah, we got a chance to watch this game. This game was close in the second half. I felt like the Miners really had a chance. I mean, we pointed out the couple different sequences, the different positions. Possessions for the Miners. They cut it as close as two points in this game uh, in the second half, and they had a real chance of winning it. Um, you know, I, I thought that the Miners, it was a relevant sequence where they had an offensive rebound, could not get a second chance bucket, turned the ball over. Then Isaiah Crawford missed a layup in transition, but he got a putback. And that was the difference between a uh, tie game or a one-score game and then a six-point swing, which it ended up being for La Tech. They went on a 10-0 run, uh, and then it was an extended 12-2 run after Tay Hardy made a bucket and snapped it. And then La Tech really never looked back. They extended their lead. They held the Miners back, and UTEP uh, offensively looked awful in this this game. I mean, 30% from the field. 18% 18% from three-point range. I think that number's a little skewed because they were just chucking it late in the game, just trying to get back into this contest. And uh, for the Miners, again, you know, when they take f- steps forward like they did against Western Kentucky, like they did against Middle Tennessee offensively, they take a step back when they're on the road. So uh, here on Miner Talk today, presented by the Oscar ID at the agency, we're going to dive into road versus home splits. We're going to dive into some of our favorite players on this season to watch so far. We're going to jump into some uh, UTEP football talk with Zay. He's uh, been doing a lot of prospect building as well here and, uh, uh, you know, checking in on this UTEP football team because I think a lot of minor fans are curious to see who they have, who's going to make an impact, and who kind of we like going into spring ball. So we're going to do all that here on Minor Talk. Let's get things started. Sal Montes, thank you, and Alberto Reta for holding it down uh, Saturday after the Western Kentucky game. That game I you know I got to rewatch it and Zay did as well uh and I I felt like the miners closed it out so strong and just defensively that's one of the things you can knock they allowed 60 points in the paint and they allowed Western Kentucky to shoot 60% from the field and then this game is completely different it's a really good La Tech team and we've seen Isaiah Crawford for years Uh, Bacho was unstoppable tonight on both ends of the floor look at what he does 19 points 12 rebounds and uh, you know 33 minutes of action killed it tonight not to mention his blocks tonight which he was all over Seven blocks tonight. Mm. He's going to probably get Conference USA Player of the Week. Uh, but Sal, two very different games. And, and if you couple in the Middle Tennessee game, that's three far different contests for the Miners. They kill Middle Tennessee essentially at home. They eke out the victory against Western Kentucky. And then tonight, uh, they just let this one slip away in the second half. Probably about the five-minute mark, they distance yeah. themselves. No, I'd say um, if you kind of split it by quarters, right? Three quarters, they were solid. We're in the middle of that fourth quarter. If you kind of want to break it down by, by the 10 minutes, um, you know, each, um, each mark. But that's kind of when things fell apart. But what this kind of shows to me is... 
Louisiana Tech, in my opinion, is going to be one of the top teams in Conference USA. I didn't expect UTEP to go out there and win this game. But if you were to say, hey, UTEP, who's still getting it together, let's be realistic. UTEP, who's still getting it together, would you understand if they can hang in with La Tech, but then La Tech just be way too much in the final five, six minutes or so? That that would kind of be on par for the course. So um, it's just it, it looked bad when it happened, though. I think that's the frustrating part. Yeah, and actually, if you would have told me, Sal, uh, that UTEP shot 30% from the field and hung in in this game, I'd be pretty surprised. But that's the reality. And Zay, I think you could really point out just a couple different sequences in this game that really swung it for Louisiana Tech. I guess the one other glaring negative for UTEP is they didn't really have a standout player tonight. There wasn't really that marquee guy who stepped up on the road to try to will and win this game. Yeah, and I've kind of talked about it, you know, how, you know, maybe Tay Hardy reliant, I'll say it now, UTEP has been, and he didn't have, you know, he, he didn't have an efficient game tonight, which is obviously not great, but he, he did, he dropped his, I think it was 15 points, and, you know, he got to line, but at the end of the day, they're going to need a guy to go off to win on the road, you know, they're, they're not going to do this by having one guy, two guys in double figures, it needs to be a big time game from a uh, preferably a senior leader. How about that stat, guys, about uh, Zid Powell? Um, you know, when they when he scores over 10 points, the Miners are something like 8-0, 7-0 or something like that. Uh, when he does not score 10 points, they're actually, they've only won like one game and they've lost 7 or 8 of them. I have to go back now that this stat is actually becoming more of a legit thing and start to really find uh, what this uh, is all about. But another night, Zid Powell, 7 points and the, the Miners don't win. Is there something to the stats, Sal? Uh, it's, uh, you know what? I'll say yes. And the reason why is because the uh, the threat that he can be offensively when he's out there and he's a threat, um, you know, takes pressure off of some of the other guys who are able to, um, you know, get going in their own right. So I think there is more to it than people would think. However, um, this recent stretch where he hasn't been um, in in majority of it, I should say. Um, where he hasn't been getting those ten points, he's been effective in other areas as well. We've seen what a what a you know what three point Zid Powell can look like, and it wasn't that great. But tonight, seven points, so he's three shy, just under five hundred when it comes to um, shooting percentage for the night. But how about these stats? Six rebounds, one assist, and uh, two steals. He did have two uh, turnovers, but in twenty minutes, he uh, he checks some of the boxes in the other areas. So I think that's a more respectable part where um, I. I do believe there's more to it than there isn't. However, this could be kind of a, hey, it doesn't have to have so much weight or stock in it. Yeah, I could see that. I just would say this. For what UTEP needed from that position, from Zid Powell, and they they needed maybe a go-to guy. Like, you know, we talked about tonight, there may be a little bit of an absence of a go-to guy. I wish there was more aggressiveness from Zid Powell, particularly in the first half, right? Because in the second half, to start things off, I thought he was aggressive. I thought he was... uh, you know, attacking the basket. In fact, you can make an argument that when this game got close in the second half, Zid Powell was the one kind of slowing the game down for the Miners and getting to the free throw yeah, line exactly. and giving them opportunities to get more points on the board. Uh, but the, the on the flip side of that is offensively in the first half, he was almost a zero. Uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to talk about his number. It just he wasn't giving anything. He didn't even uh, score a, bu- a bucket until 16 minutes of the second half. So, uh, Zay, is this a bigger issue? Issue right now for Zid Powell, in your opinion, what, where are you at with him? 
Well, you know, you talk about that double-figure stat, and I, I do think there's a lot of weight to it. You know, Zid Powell, if Zid Powell's, you know, playing good, playing efficient, getting, you know, 16, 17 points a game uh, at an efficient rate, I mean, UTEP's probably one of the best teams in the conference. But, you know, the issue is, is he's not. He's not doing it efficiently. He's not being as aggressive when you want him to be aggressive, right? You know, we saw him get to the line so much today, as you guys were saying. So, you know, I think we just need to see him, you know, take smart, efficient shots but also be ag- aggressive with the ball yeah I think so too and you know okay so let's do the rundown right because now we've got a uh, six game sample size of road games for the minors so now we can really kind of look at things at a full scope so first true road game for the minors was their road loss to Loyola Marymount 67 47 okay next road game they lost it was at Oregon 71 49 the next road game they lost Abilene Christian 88-82 this year. Um, you know, that was close at points, but uh, AC really distanced themselves in the end. I think that score is a little closer than that game actually says. Uh, you know, in the end, in the end, I think at one point it was very, very close, wire to wire. And then ACU really distanced themselves uh, to close out that game. Seattle loss, 73-61. Um, actually, that was at home. <laughs> that was such a bad loss. I looked at it and I was like, wait, wait, wait. That was a home <laughs> loss. Uh, excuse me. So the road games that we're talking about so far, Loyola Marymount, Oregon, ACU. The next road loss, NMSU, uh, 63-53. That's a 10-point loss right there. And then the collapse on the road uh, against Florida International, 72-68, despite leading by as much as uh, 16 points with eight minutes to go in this game. And FIU comes back and you know beats out the Miners tonight. Another loss, 68-54. What do you guys notice? Uh, similarities in all those games that I just reeled off right there their away games any any similarities you all see right there Sal uh, I would say um, ball protection uh, it was better tonight I don't want to dispute that but I think um, I, I don't want to say ball protection let me say uh, ball movement the fluidity of the offense um, it, it's really not there whether it be good defense or um, they're just not in a rhythm at all and they can't get anything going so th- that's what I would say yeah uh, Zay do you see anything um, you know similar from any of those losses on the road um, the UTEP just doesn't play well offensively. Besides the FIU game, I think, but even in that collapse, right? They didn't they didn't score, you know, a lot down the stretch, especially in that last six minutes. They're not efficient. They're not efficient from the field. Um, usually they're not being aggressive and getting to the line. And you know, those are two really big things that you know when UTEP does correctly, they win games. Yeah, I think that's where I would say the I guess the common trends stick out to me is offensively, like you both said it's whether it's efficiency and scoring whether like you said Sal it's turnovers or just kind of not really playing your best basketball offensively on the road I think it's it's just starts on offense now what's different from last year right because last year was such they weren't a good road team last season either but some things definitely switched right this year it seems like um, defensively they're not as good as they were last year and what it does is it actually hurts momentum on defense when they don't score offensively this year. Does that make sense? Like when they're when they go through that scoring rut, 
they start to get down on themselves. And then defensively, they're allowing buckets to go. Now, I like fight in those situations, in those scoring droughts from guys like Otis Frazier and Tay Hardy. It seems like they lean on the veterans, the guys who've been there before, to get them out of these ruts. But other than that, I I mean, I I get a little concerned when I'm watching UTEP thinking, you know, they they just need more alphas who are just going to step up in big situations and help win them games. You know what's a, a good example is today. There was a possession where, where Hardy got a, not Hardy, um, Powell, he was able to get a, you know, a under the bucket, bucket, so to speak. And they, they had to go through hell just to get that. You saw the yeah. ball movement. It was, it was crazy. Guys were throwing the ball to the left, to the right. One, you got to give credit to the La Tech defense. I think they were beating them to their spots, but it was um, just that that tenacious, you know, factor of them to to attempt to be so aggressive on the minors, and it really disrupted the ball movement. But with that, though, Adrian, that's one of the possessions where they they were able to come out on top with the bucket. But there were a lot of possessions that that just didn't go well tonight because of that uh, that disruption. We've seen that a lot on these road trips. Yeah, and in fact, I like the way that you. I mean, we kind of talked about it, but um, off the air. We were saying how it's such a grind for the miners sometimes to just get buckets. And when you have so, when you just go through so much to just get a bucket to actually fall, how how much momentum can you actually draw from that right there? I mean, it feels like that almost stagnates your growth or stagnates your momentum. It, It feels like. Like when a game is coming down to the wire and it's the final three minutes of the game, that's the kind of possession you would expect because it's right. it's gut check time. However, when you're having that kind of possession midway through the first half, you know, five minutes into the second half, that that has to take a lot out of you. I, I agree completely. Hey, our telephone number to get things started here on the program, 915-505-6009. You can also check in 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, X, uh, our 600 ESPN El Paso uh, mobile app, and that is also available for you to chat and join us as well. Uh, Zay, I'll swing it back to you. Any other thoughts on just kind of the road inefficiencies and what we're seeing so far? Yeah, you know, you pointed this out earlier, you know, during the game is sometimes, you know, Otis Frazier, he's kind of disappeared in the road games at times, especially offensively. He's had his struggles offensively, and you really want to see him, you know, just, just, you know, get it up, get it up and going when, when they're playing on the road because, you know, as you said, they lean on players like Otis Frazier, veterans who have been with this team when they're struggling offensively, and he's just not putting out as much as you'd uh, hope from him. Yeah, and maybe they, you know, and maybe he turns it around uh, just on his side in the Sam Houston game because I don't want Otis Frazier to be the best guy at the Don Haskins Center, right? Like, you want this guy to be good on both ends, where he's good at home and good on the road. And right now, we're just not seeing it consistently on the road to call him, you know, that well-rounded. And he's coming off the Conference USA Player of the Week award. So, you know, I hold him to a good standard, but it's because it's Otis Frazier III, and he's warranted all this stuff right here. Okay, guys, I'll reel this off for you, because I just did the math. I'm I'm no math guy, but I just did the uh, shooting numbers for all the road games real quick. Um, I was scrambling to do it over here. I was doing it frantically. (laughs) Uh, Loyola Marymount, okay? Minor shot 30% from the field. Oregon, 36% from the field. Uh, Abilene Christian, 42%. New Mexico State, 44%. FIU, a whopping 59% and lose on the road. And then this uh, this game, 30%, 29% if you wanted to be exact, uh, 29.5%, I should say. But nonetheless, that's your numbers right there. 
And that's general field goals, right? Not, yeah. not counting three-pointers because, I mean, today, 18 for, for 61. Obviously, we know that's a big uh, difference between the two. But 17%, just to, if we want to round it up by the fifths, I guess you could say 18. But three for 17 from beyond the arc. And, and when I look at everything else, they, they played they played pretty solid. You know, they, they take better care of the ball than a Louisiana Tech. I think La Tech owned them when it comes to blocks. But UTEP had 11 steals to their five. As far as rebounding goes, La Tech won that one, but they made up for some of their deficiencies in other areas. It's just chucking up those shots was uh, was damaging. So, to your point, Sal, I actually think right now, to where they were, they were actually, and I, I was pointing this out to Joe Golding earlier this week in media availability, UTEP was actually in historic lows in, in terms of their shooting splits before Conference USA actually started. Like, historic lows. They were shooting the worst three point percentage they've ever had in their entire history. Uh, offensively in effective field goal percentage it was down. Turnover rate was high. Non-steal turnover rate was high as well. Offensively they were an absolute mess and then conference play came and I th- actually think that they turned a little bit of a corner up until the point of the, you know, j- uh, even in today's matchup. I thought they turned a corner. But if you're talking about this being the peak or this being maybe the ceiling of their offense, which maybe it is, right? Right? Like, y- you want to see them turn a corner. And right now, offensively, they're in the top four, top five of most offensive categories for conference only stats. So I'll reel it off for you real quick. Okay. Two point percentage. They're uh, right around 48%, which is fifth best in the conference. Free throw percentage in conference only games, 73%. That is second best in conference only games. Three point percentage, surprisingly enough. And like I said, historic lows for three point percentage. Conference turned things around a little bit. They're sixth in conference out of nine teams, 35% from beyond the arc. It's much better than where they were. They were like like 28%. So shooting splits are actually getting better. But to your point, Sal, they're not winning these games. They're not beating the better contenders of Conference USA right now. Therefore, I cannot call this team a contender to win Conference USA the way it stands right now. They are not even a dark horse team, in my opinion. They're on the outside looking in as it stands right now. They've got to prove it wrong to me. You guys tell me what you think. Well, um, I'll go real quick, Zay. We'll let you get up. But no, you're you're absolutely right. And we're going to find out a lot about that with, uh, with who they got coming up. We've already seen them take on two of the uh, the top three teams. Let's say four of the top three teams in Conference USA as it stands right now. And there's losses to all of them. The other one that they haven't played, they're going to have on Saturday, that's Sam Houston. So it's La Tech number one. Um, and then there's a two-way tie between Sam Houston and the Aggies. We'll find out who's on top tonight after their matchup. But then um, number four, I guess technically number three, Florida International. So all of those teams, if if we want to you know, put them in the category of contenders for Conference USA... Not only do they have to be better when it comes to those stats, but they got to win those types of games. I would say there's, there's like, if we had to do tiers, like the great tier of conference, you say, and I'm sorry, Zay, because you, you want to get, I'm, I want to get to you real quick. Um, if there's like the top tier of conference, you say that's empty, right? Then if I go to the second one and it's contenders, I would put Liberty, Sam Houston State, La Tech, and that's it in that tier. Then I would go next to a dark horse. I would go New Mexico State, Florida International, Western Kentucky, uh, Jacksonville State, and then another tier below that. And then it's like just a question mark. And then that's UTEP, Middle Tennessee. Where do you, what do you think, say? Yeah, I, I'd see that like that, but um, I think UTEP, you know. 
Like they, they have the potential to be a good team, right? You know, we've seen it, but they can't put it together. We saw it against FIU when they finally did put it together. They squandered a lead. They squandered a 16-point lead. So they're obviously not contenders because in order to be contenders, right, UTEP can go undefeated at home, but if they're not winning consistently on the road, no one's going to look at you as a real threat because when you're playing on a neutral floor, you know, it's, it's almost just as tough. So... Um, I agree with that. You know, UTEP is definitely not a contender, but they, they just need to win on the road, and that's obviously easier said than done. Yeah, and I would also say this. Does meaning on the winning on the road mean that they've actually turned it around? Probably not. It's also about continued success on the road, pro- yeah. proving it you can do it more than just once or twice. And, um, you know, and then if you really wanted to, you could take a bigger picture and, and take a step back on this three years run from head coach Joe Golding and start to see where some of the weaknesses are we know obviously what the strengths are at their best they're the top defensive team in conference usa at their best they're scoring upward of 100 points because they've done it this year i'll grant albeit to teams that i didn't even know existed before the season even started like the university of science and arts but still this is a team right here that has shown that they have firepower they've done it in the past they scored 93 points last saturday yet uh to come out of the what was the first half what was the first half total in this matchup Miners score 27 in the first half I mean you know it, they just have to try to figure out how to uh you know score more points in, in both halves it doesn't have to just be the 27 it could be how the fact that it felt like they were floating around 15 points forever in that first half and and they kind of narrowed the gap late in that first half to make things closer than you know La Tech would have liked it to be and then there's the other side of this is La Tech the best team in conference USA and is this just a really tough team for the miners to face so that's another side to this coin right I mean to be fair and to you know to be fair to the miners and where they're at right now um, this is a really good law tech team I would say that they're probably the best that UTEP's faced in conference USA so far would you guys agree definitely Without a doubt. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But um, if you want to weigh in, 915-505-6009. That's the number to get into the program. Women's basketball is playing right now, so I'm assuming some of our listeners are out there. Uh, La Tech's up 30-27 to 27, uh, at the half. Uh, Miners need a big win in this matchup. Our very own Alberto Retas on the ESPN Plus broadcast, by the way, so shout out to him. Let's go to Twitter. Uh, we got a bunch of messages coming in our way, so let's start it off. Josh Puga, UTEP put up 61 shots and made 18. Three for 17 from three-point land. Please send me those, quote, good looks. Hashtag thanks in advance. He was not happy with Joe Golding calling it good looks. And uh, what do you guys think? He Joe Golding said not necessarily four shots. He thought he had good looks tonight from his players. What do you all think? Mm, I don't know. I think some of them were heat check shots that there was no heat check going on. Like the, there was nobody on fire to be doing those types of shots. I think I think what he meant was those guys might have hit those shots, you know, here and there at different times. But if you look at the film, too, that's those aren't the best shots to be taken either. So I think it's kind of like, hey, it's happened before. Keep it going. I, I don't think the um, I don't want to say the work wasn't done to, to discredit their effort on offense. But I don't think the execution wasn't there to, to consider those things. Good looks. Zay. I'd say they had good looks. I say they just weren't hitting their shots today. And you know, he said that you know, LaTeX forced them into a lot of you know twos. A lot of you know, they couldn't get to the rim. You know, Bacho was was you know that was, was shut down, right? Yeah. yeah. So they 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 had to make the shots that they were given and the good looks that 
you know, they, they did have the opportunities. They did not convert. There was a number of transition threes, maybe, you know, mid-range shots that usually UTEP does make, like Sal said, but today they just weren't following. You know, another point to that is I just felt like it, it got sloppy and messy, whether it was ball handling, whether it was passing. Uh, it just got sloppy in half-court situations on offense. And uh, mm-hmm. I did like what Golding said about how they could have been, uh, you know, kept up the pace a little bit more. I agree with that. I felt like, you know, in those two home games, the one thing you could say is UTEP had a lot of urgency on every possession. Yeah. They were they were attacking. They were aggressive. They were fast. And then tonight, maybe a little bit less uh, aggressive than they were uh, this past week when they won both games. So um, until this team can prove it to me on the road, I think I have to settle down on how I think about them at home. I, I think that the home record is going to be skewed, and I think that uh, what fans are going to realize is next week there are two really good teams coming or I, I shouldn't say really good but there's two uh, of the better to you know I guess formidable squads. Yeah. yeah, good tests in Conference USA. Jacksonville State, Liberty, they're going to be coming into town. And if the Miners sweep those two w- games, sh- yeah, okay, that's a good thing. But again, it's we're back to square one. We're back to uh, where they were here coming into this week on the road, where they came off two straight victories. So I'm just I'm just prepping everybody for the, these things that could happen because I'm not picking the Miners to win on Saturday. I'm just going to tell you that right now. They're not. I don't think they're going to beat Sam Houston State. They've got to prove me wrong. Wrong. Sam Houston State, like you said, Sal, I guess maybe we're going to find out tonight, even though that game might have more emotions. So maybe, uh, you know, what can you really take away from New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, knowing it's Hooten's return uh, to the Bearcats? Yeah. That's another side to it. It's uh, right now as it stands, it's uh, 38-37, Cats at the half over the Aggies. So mm-hmm. there you uh, go. It, it was like 14 to Three, something along the lines of that. It was a lot to a little in the first five minutes or so, but no, the Aggies have uh, have clawed back in this one. But hey, you, you mentioned it too. That that emotion is going to be there, and we're only twenty minutes in, into that game. And the final <laughs> five minutes, if it's if it's a one to three point game, let's see how much the pressure gets. Wow, it'd, it'd be pretty yeah. high. Uh, Zay, home win percentage. How what has this shown you so far? Seventeen of twenty one games now in Conference USA have been decided by the home team, and that is an eighty one winning eighty one percent winning percentage for home squads in CUSA. Um, what's Joe Golding's favorite quote? Or I guess it's not his favorite quote, but he says conference play doesn't win until you know a home team loses or when when you lose at home. So uh, I guess for for a lot of people, uh, conference play hasn't begun. Yeah, I mm. guess so. There you go. <laughs> and I also I also say uh, Joe Golding has maintained February is the month where he's looking at the standings. So if that's the case, then February is next week, my friend. Uh, we'll see how the, how the Miners fare on Saturday. Um, Sam Houston State, and if they beat out New Mexico State, they'll improve to uh, 11-9 and nine and also 4-1 and one in conference play. So there you go right there. That, that should be interesting in itself. Let's move back to Twitter. we got a bunch of other messages coming our way, including this one from Tristan Pence. UTEP's shooting was putrid tonight, and La Tech exposed the Miners' non-existent interior game. UTEP really needs a win on Saturday to stay relevant in Conference USA. David David Terrell's play lately is very encouraging. Hashtag Miner Talk. Couldn't agree with you more there, Tristan Pence. Anybody's, anybody have thoughts on anything that he said right there as far as uh, you know being relevant in the CUSA standings or anything you said 
No? We're all good. Right, let's move on. Uh, next one, Trey Chauvin. Worst road team in America. Save university money and forfeit road games because they won't win one this year. Saturday is another loss, so 2-4 and four in the worst conference in the country. UTEP basketball is a joke under Coach Golding. Make a move, Jim. Man. Uh, this coming from Jacob Rubio. At this point, just four shots. It's not like we're going to make them. Might as well get a higher percent chance. Uh, this is coming from UTEP News. He did not like the press conference. Or, I mean, the, you know, quotes the after. Yeah, yeah, quotes after to John Teicher by Joe Golding. Manny David, I expected the Miners to drop this one. Awful shooting. And not much else to say about this one. Put this one behind them and prep for the next game. Should do better against Sam Houston and hopefully pick up their first road win. Hashtag Miner Talk. Hashtag Go Miners. Hashtag Go Lobos. Uh, this is coming in from uh, Shannon. This officiating is hilarious. Um, let's see the final numbers, guys. Uh, free throws. They took uh, 33 free throws. UTEP took uh, 22. So Bulldogs with 33, Miners with 22. Uh, foul total was 22 to 18. Actually, Miners were called for just four more fouls than La Tech. I didn't have that big of an issue with officiating. Did you guys have a big issue at all? No, I, I think uh, Louisiana Tech was beating them to the punch more times than uh, than UTEP could get there. So uh, you just got to give credit to Louisiana Tech being just being a couple steps ahead pretty much all night. Um, let's go to more coming in on Twitter or X. This is from Pinky. He says, how this game has changed. Since when has lowering your shoulder to clear out been an offensive move? Gotta blame Shaq and Jordan for that. Hashtag minor talk. He also chimed in, Pinky, uh, by saying, hashtag, picks up, hashtag minor talk. And he said, I was taught when you were playing a taller team, one needs to start taking the short uh eight to ten foot jumper and bring the defense further away from the basket stop and pop miners hashtag minor talk you know actually before this game the guy shot who i felt like was automatic was Corey camper jr at the top of the key and that shot didn't even fall in tonight zay it, it felt like nothing even though utep was getting some of those wide open looks nothing was falling in is it a maybe a confidence thing though you know if you're if you got to boil it down to something if it's not momentum is it confidence yeah, you know, I'll say, you know, last year when UTEP was struggling with their free throws, it got to the point where we were saying, hey, maybe it's gotten, you know, it's in their head at this point, right? They can hit the free throws, but it's just in their head, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's lingering. And maybe now we've moved on to road games. Whenever you enter a road arena, maybe UTEP's already, you know, got in their mind, hey, this is just not going to be our game. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Hey, let's do this. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. You're listening to Minor Talk, brought to you by the Oscar Adietta Agency. More here in just a moment, right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine. Our telephone number to get into the program, along with UTEP Zay Zay Galindo, uh, Sal Montes. I'm Adrian Bradis. We're continuing here on Minor Talk. Uh, we've got to pay the bills later in the show, and we'll talk our hot hand of the game brought to you by Win Supply El Paso and our player of the game. Uh, thanks to Timothy Cantrell Realty. Let's go over to some more uh, coming in here on social media. This is from Doug Deshone. How can you have eleven wins and just fifteen points in a first half? My elementary fifth grade boys can score more points than that. 
Uh, David Corral Jr. It looks like the anemic offense made the trip. Come on, be aggressive. That's coming from uh, David Corral Jr. This is coming from Augustine. Adrian, Sal, winning is an attitude. This team is weak-minded. Has As soon as something goes wrong, they don't execute. Simple. It's about having the mentality. This team doesn't have it. This is coming in from Tizard TX. That was a brutal game to watch. The Miners need size in the middle. Nine minutes of block shots and cold shooting doesn't help. This team does have some great hands, and those steals kept them in the game until the final six minutes. Good point there, M. Um, you know, guys, just to that point, I was really disappointed with the front court play tonight. Uh, Kevin Callu in the first half, he starts the game for the Miners. He plays seven minutes. Uh, he has a turnover, a rebound, a foul, and doesn't have a bucket. And then in the second half... He plays five minutes and does not contribute a single thing. So uh, I'm not trying – again, you know, I, I think I've been a little harsh on, on Kevin Callu throughout the season, Sal, but I'm just trying to point out the inefficiencies and what they're not getting from their interior. And then you look at Calvin Solomon, he fouls out with a technical foul, shoots uh, or scores four points, two for five, and totals three turnovers in this game. So 16 minutes off the bench. So you're, the yeah. front court, it just wasn't that good. No, and, and we saw it because – Bacho just got to eat whatever he wanted tonight, getting to his spots quicker. He, did. he He owned the paint against the Miners, and no matter who was going to go up against him, um, they were going to be lunch meat. And I, I think it's two things. I think, one, um, Bacho is just a beast, and, and that's who he's going to be on most nights, especially when a team is doesn't have the, the size or the depth of that size. But then on the other end, too, um, Nobody really posed a threat at all against Bacho one way or the other. If guards tried to go around him, he was still getting the block at the hoop. Um, you know, if, if Biggs tried to, you know, guard him in the post-up, he was still eating there. So it's a mixture of both. Yeah, and I really like the fact that you pointed out the defense because, Zay, that's where the front court really struggled all night long against Bacho. Yeah, you know, we saw Bacho get to the line a lot because, you know, UTEP just couldn't handle him. If UTEP went small, you know, you, you obviously weren't going to stop Daniel Bacho. You're going to have to foul him. And even when Kevin Kalu was in the game, I mean, he was eating. He was eating. And then, you know, on, on the other side, when UTEP's on offense, right, you don't have that big body to kind of seal out Bacho. You don't have that that stretch five to, to, you know, open the paint up. You don't have that kind of stuff. So UTEP was just really mismatched against him. And what is it, guys? Do you feel like they should throw some uh, maybe some Derek Hamilton minutes out there if you're not getting it from the two guys in the starters, uh, Solomon or Kalu. If they don't get it from those two guys, uh, Jones is coming off the bench, which is a whole other story in itself whether or not you believe in the redshirt freshman, but uh, should Hamilton maybe get a share of these minutes? Because it just seems like they're not getting these productive minutes from their current guys. Uh, in a night like tonight, I think you probably should have seen the floor. You mentioned Kalu and Solomon. None of them logged more than 16 minutes. Mm. And I think that's the concerning part, right? If, if, you, if you put those two in, and I know that Solomon fouled out, but if you put those two in at points in times while your other big doesn't see the floor, you'd expect one of them to have, you know, mid to high 20s and the other one, you know, low to mid 20s. Sure. S- somewhere around there, right? One could spell the other. But that wasn't the case. It, it looks like they did go guard heavy. Um, it, it, we may see a lot of guard play, you know, Know, from here till the uh, the rest of the season, we've seen a lot of guard play the the last couple months. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you think, Zay? 
Yeah, you know, Derek Hamilton wouldn't have hurt t- today. You know, you need you need something. You need something because that that front court it's just it's been really disappointing to watch, right? We talk about Calvin Solomon, Kevin Kalu a lot. You know, I think Elijah Jones he had some solid minutes, but he did struggle at times. Which you know you're going to get that from a freshman uh, when you're playing him in such a you know in a conference road game. And um, you know we didn't see John DeSanjos today. It's just you know there's a lot of things. There's a lot of issues, especially in the front court. Yeah, I was talking to Jonathan DeSanjos at practice this week and he said that he would expect to play this week but uh i i would expect this more of a dnp than anything else and it's more on the thing on the line of he's not in shape he's probably you know he's still trying to work his way back fully into the mix and he's got to earn the minutes in practice and you know i think it's way too early for him to be seeing the floor so yeah i i think at this point right now the miners are just in wait and see mode for uh for somebody like jonathan dos anjos hey our telephone number 915 Five zero five six zero zero nine. Let's let's switch it up. I want I want to ask you guys this topic. Okay, uh, who is your favorite player to watch on this current team? Okay, I'll just throw I'll throw that one out to you now. We've got a big sample size. UTEP it right now as it stands, they're eleven and nine. We've seen a lot of this team so far this year. Who's your favorite guy? There's twenty games in uh, to this season. Who's your favorite player to watch on this team? We can take calls. We can take some missions as well on Twitter X um, your favorite player to watch on this current team 915-505-6009 Sal do you want to go off and, and give your first or, or give your name um, yeah I'll, I'll go I'll first. be sad if you have the same one as me uh, I think we do have the same one go ahead I'm going to say my favorite player to watch. Yes. David Terrell. Man, we do have the same one. Okay, go ahead. You explain why. But the, the reason why is um, when he's out there on the floor, he looks like he belongs. And this is no discredit to other guys, but you could tell that there's a in – in the smallest form, there's a sense of identity that he's going to be that dog when he's on the floor. He's young, but you see the instinct that he has and him you know, taking the steps in the right direction literally um, – he has a good awareness when it comes to the basketball court. He has a nose for the basketball as well. Uh, so just the energy that he brings as well. There's a lot of things that, that you could say about David Terrell that are positive. But, um, yeah, I would say Terrell Jr. My favorite player, though, I would say Elijah Jones. Too. Okay. I'm still wow. on, on the Jones bandwagon. But okay. favorite player to watch is Terrell. David, okay. David Terrell, favorite player to watch. I'm just going to say this. I haven't been this excited about a freshman since Deion Stroud. Like, a okay. first-year true freshman since Deion Stroud was playing. And for Stroud, it was more about the upside. It wasn't necessarily anything that he was showing, except for those crazy dunks that he would have in games. It was the athleticism and the upside, the potential that he brought. But David Terrell's not bringing potential. He's actually doing it. So that's why yeah. I like watching him so much. But I'll, give my, I'll explain my reasoning more. Uh, Zay, you go ahead. Who's your favorite player to watch? Yeah, you know, um, this one might come as a surprise, but you know when when he's on, when he's just on fire and he's not missing, and he's just such a, a a smooth player to watch. I mean, Corey Camper, right? You know, you see that, wow. that pull up nice. mid range. I mean, he's he's so like smooth. He's he's a smooth guard to watch. Obviously, he didn't have a great game today, but when he's on, yeah, he's not missing. He's taking these nice mid range jumpers. He's he's elevating above the defense. He's a really fun player to watch. So Corey Camper for sure. I like the name. I like the mention Corey Camper Jr. tonight. One just one of nine. So he definitely d- did struggle in this matchup. So let's see if he could pick things up moving forward. Uh, but you're right. When things are on and things are working for Corey Camper Jr., he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I will go and say, you know, David Terrell Jr., just because 
I didn't expect this. And I, I expected him to play. Don't get me wrong. I did know that. But before the season started, I thought David Trail Jr. would be this kind of off-the-bench guy that they would end up getting after a while. And then he would finally you know, get some minutes. But nothing substantial. He's playing relevant minutes for this team. He is actually you know, objectively getting more minutes and more looks than guys like Baylor Hebb, who's been around college basketball for a while now. He is the go-to option in the backcourt right behind the starting unit, which is Zid Powell, Tay Hardy, Corey Camper, Jr. And he just seems like he's working really hard at it. Like, uh, yes, there is some rawness to his game. But you look at today, he can't get his shot to fall. He attempts a three and you're thinking to yourself, what's going on? It was it was uh, credited as a long two, but he just couldn't get his scoring going. And then he started to get other guys involved. Five yeah. assists in this game. He got other guys involved. And then on the defensive side, he grabbed two steals. So naturally, in the second half, he picked it up offensively and he scored six points he found a way to get some buckets in meaningful minutes in meaningful moments of this game as well uh david trail jr just love how he fights and i i just don't think that minor fans should take him for granted he's a really fun player to watch and if he sticks around next year he's probably the poster boy for the 2024 2025 minors so um yeah that's just my thoughts on him let's keep things moving 915-505-6009 let's welcome on hunter here on the program hunter thanks for calling in on the show man what's going on not much. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in, Hunter. We're doing just fine. Uh, it's a road loss, which we've talked about a lot of these so far this year. And I think minor fans right now are, are not happy with this team and, frankly, kind of out on this team. Well, I mean, you can't blame anybody. Uh, you know, this one wasn't a surprise. It's not like they lost to a terrible team, you know, here at home. Uh, we got to keep it in perspective. You know, the minors are where they're at in this conference that they're at. It's a bad conference, but they're not the old miners. You know, we, we, we like to all think like, all right, this conference is below UTEP, which in the past it would have been. It's not anymore. And this, they're at the level of their competition. They lost to one of the better teams in the conference. So, I yeah. mean, it is what it is. You know, and it's, it's and they're far from you know you know how far they are from a contender right now they're fourteen points away from being a contender and well, and I would I, say La Tech is in that top level part of conference USA but they're beatable I mean UTEP cut it to two points at this game and I thought talent wise La Tech beats UTEP any day I I don't think the game was a fourteen point game uh, so they're probably about five points away from con- contending this this one was in in, in the yeah, it wasn't just close. You know, it, it wasn't a fourteen point game. Uh, my my only my only things are, you know, and you guys just brought it up. This is the rotations he uses with his players. You know, he he switched things up last week. Went really guard heavy. It worked. They're scoring. They, I mean, their point totals were way higher last week, and it's effective. And he just goes back to this. Why? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I I thought that they would have uh, gone with the guard heavy approach in this in this lineup, but I just felt like uh, they had their bigs become liabilities in this game, and instead of their bigs being impact or, or just get out the way, you know, just get out of the way and don't make a mistake, they actually were liabilities on the floor. Well, and and apparently he's never heard of a team defensive concept because. I get it. They got they got that big guy down low that's dominant. Well, it's it's team defense. It's not it's not one person. Everybody has to be in synchrony. 
playing together as a team. So as a, with a team defense, you can you can you can beat that guy. So you don't need to change your lineup. So it's just really perplexing that he sees a problem, smart enough to change it. They have success, and then he regresses. You know, he reverts back to what he was doing that didn't work in the first place. Why? I, I don't get it. And you know, Solomon's a, a bigger liability. You know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze this year. He's a liability out there. He didn't produce. I don't know what his plus what or minus. Happened? Is, but, but what happened, it's, Hunter? It's this mental. was not the same guy from last year. It's mental. I mean, obviously the talent's there, the physicality's there. He chooses not to. He's got a bad attitude. He's negative. He doesn't go out there wanting to get it, and and it's obvious. That, that's in, that, that's one hundred. The two things you can always control, and this is in life, all right. So this this is what I tell people at work. You can control two things: your work ethic and your attitude. If neither of those are good, I can't help you, because the, those are the only two things in your control. You can't control whether the ball goes in or not. You can't control hardly anything else. But the two things that you're responsible for that you can control are work ethic and attitude. And if you don't have those, nobody can help you. And that's him right now. You can't teach a person any any of that. He's got poor work ethic and poor attitude. He starts sulking out there. He's he's a liability with his poorly timed technical fouls because that that killed them momentum-wise. Why is he out there? You know, I'd rather Elijah Jones needs to be get, getting that playing time. He's a far better offensive player than Solomon, and he'll make his mistakes defensively, but he doesn't allow him to. And he being Golding, but he'll allow garbage from Solomon. I mean, it, it's just complete garbage. And I don't know the Hamilton situation. I've been a big fan of him the whole time. I know he's a little big, a little out of shape, but if you're getting zero from your big guys. You can't go backwards, you know. What's the harm in giving the guy a chance? I don't understand it. I don't either. I really don't. I and I appreciate it, Hunter. Always great to catch up with you, man. Uh, but I've been saying this. I'd rather see the mistake minutes from Elijah Jones than the minutes that we've already seen from Kevin Callu and, and Calvin Solomon. I, I we've already seen this, right? We've already seen, I guess, the peak of Calvin Solomon, and that's a sad thing, Zay. I, I, I just, I'll give you the numbers real quick, and here are the advanced numbers. So I'm not just giving you points and rebounds and stuff like that because those things can be skewed with uh, minutes played. And right now, Calvin Solomon is not seeing anywhere near the minutes played that he saw uh, in the past. So here are just the numbers as far as his shooting goes. Okay, last year he made 49 percent of his two pointers. He was killing it down low, and he was making. Uh, free, you know, he was making um, less turnovers last year. He turned the ball over at a twenty percent clip turnover rate. Um, we talked about this last time, and also last year he was fifty percent true shooting percentage, forty eight percent effective field goal percentage, and his offensive rating was at ninety three. Um, that was actually a step below what he had at Stephen F. Austin. But you talk about the jump in competition from Stephen F. Austin in the Southland in 2022 to Conference USA action from last year, 2023, 
it's understandable that that took a little bit of a dip. Nonetheless, this season right now, turnover rate is higher, 27% for Calvin Solomon. The two-point shot, that has actually dropped his uh, percentage-wise, 41% from last year, almost 50%. So that, that percentage-wise has really dropped down and taken a dip. Effective field goal percentage, that's gone down 41% uh, this year compared to 47% last year. And then true shooting percentage has gone up a little little bit this year but it's because his numbers have actually gone down his playing time has gone down so he's turning the ball over at a higher level uh he's not playing as good of defense as he did last year and you know you talk about the position change last year he played a true four and maybe a little bit of a five this year he's really only playing the five especially recently um i'm not you know what i don't take any excuses man i just i think he could be playing a lot better right now the potential is defensive player of the year in conference usa and he's far from that right now, Zay. Yeah, and I can definitely see how, how that can be mental, you know, because, you know, you shouldn't see that big of a drop-off defensively. You know, he's not he's not as, I guess, gritty as he was last year. He, he's not making those little tiny plays, and instead he's he's a little more erratic, you can say it, defensively. He He's uh, sometimes foul-happy. You know, he fouled out today, obviously. So it's just been it's been frustrating to watch, but also, you know, it's been sad to watch because he we know how good he can be. We know how good he was last year. And whether it's, you know, a mental thing or maybe it's just he doesn't fit well on this team, whatever it is, it, it's tough to see such a talented player just fall out, you know? Yeah, really. Just And that's a good way of describing it because uh, how I look at it is he was a go-to guy. He was a relevant player. He was a standout on the this minor team and now he's just kind of fallen out of that mix he's fallen out of that little rotation right there uh, of guys but nonetheless let's keep things moving 915-505-6009 great call by hunter let's follow it up there by jimmy he's coming up next here on minor talk jimmy good evening man what's going on hey a great show as always guys hunter was spot on uh the money tonight on uh, solomon on the lack of play from uh hamilton um, I think arguably Solomon, who is, by the way, preseason all-conference. Correct. Um, arguably has the highest upside, but Hunter Hunter hit the nail on the head. The guy's attitude is terrible. His play is lackadaisical. Um, he's a turnover machine. I just I don't understand all the minutes he gets. To me, I would replace his minutes with Elijah Jones, who uh, beginning of the year was leading the team in scoring and then saw close to zero playing time. Now I guess he's earned a little bit more, but... Uh, Jones is far more potent offensively, doesn't have the turnovers that uh, Solomon does in attitude-wise in terms of just having a good team dynamic. You know, the guy's hustling all the time, trying his best. I, I can't say the same for Solomon. So it's just to me, it's a mystery. I know his, his, his minutes have decreased. I don't know why he's getting more than 10 minutes a game. I really don't. Again, huge upside, probably the, the biggest upside of any player on the team if he would dedicate himself. Um, but he's just he's not, and it's, and it's showing on the court, and it's it's becoming detrimental to the team, all of his, his turnovers. Um, so, yeah, that's my piece on that. Um, I, I think what we saw today was how mediocre – I won't say mediocre. We have a, a serviceable inside game. But what we saw today from Luis Tech was a good inside game. Um, and that just was exploited tonight because you got to see them uh, side by side. Their center transfer from Texas Tech just really took our, our big guys to – to the cleaners, um, and that's going to be an issue because we we have a serviceable center in Kalu. He's not a good center, 
Um, he does try hard, and I give him credit for that. Uh, but in terms of being a force to reckon with down low, he's simply that's that's not who he is. No, no, and, and I thought that was a really good way of describing him. Serviceable center. I think that that's a really good one, Jimmy. Do you, what do you have them uh, doing on Saturday? Do you have them winning against Sam Houston State, or is this going to be another loss? I I would say it's going to be uh, another loss, uh, just because this team I think can compete at home, but hasn't shown any ability whatsoever to win on the road. Um, they came close in Florida, but they blew that game against a very mediocre team. Um, so I I got to see it first before I can say they're gonna yeah they're gonna win on the road. Yeah, it's a good way of assessing it as well. Jimmy, good job, appreciate it, man. Thanks for weighing in on the show. Hey, our telephone number nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine six hundred ESPN El Paso on X and Twitter or six hundred ESPN El Paso on our free mobile app. Um, yeah, you know it, it's been it's been a good show here tonight. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I think that a, a lot of minor fans right now are a little frustrated as far as the road woes for this season, and now it's starting to uh, stack up a little bit in Joe Golding's career 10 and 22 on the road through three seasons here at UTEP so um, you know we'll see if they can get their first win of the season on the road uh, Saturday at Sam Houston State that is to be determined hey big shout out to friend of the program Rachel Phillips who announced that she's going to be leaving El Paso guys I know breaking news breaking news on her own Twitter yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, I knew about this one behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, it's sad. It's always sad to see your friends leave, especially when they make such a big impact in the community. Uh, Rachel Phillips, definitely big friend of the show, big, uh, big supportive of us. And um, we love supporting her, our uh, news partners, KVIA and ABC7. And uh, yeah, it's uh, El Paso will definitely miss Rachel Phillips. Uh, you know, it's always sad to see some of the great TV people here uh, leave from town or you leave town for other things but uh you know the cool things about this is people like her they're gonna be on to great things i mean i, I yeah. know that she's i already know I'm, I'm gonna let her obviously say it but she i know the next move is gonna be awesome for her she's gonna go into an awesome market and uh we're planning to have rachel phillips stop by the studio here next week before she heads nice. out so we can uh, say our farewell here on sports talk what was so. the the tenure here about three to four three and, and a half years yeah yeah incredible it goes man. fast huh it feels like just yesterday she started, huh, Zay? It does, it does. And uh, Rachel, very nice to me when I first, you know, got into media. So, I mean, just wishing the best. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's sad. It's bittersweet that she's going, but uh, it's awesome that she's on to bigger and better things. So she'll make that announcement soon enough. But uh, she says on her uh, Twitter or X profile that uh, she'll just be enjoying the last couple days here in El Paso before then. So there you go. Uh, Let's keep things moving. We want to talk a little UTEP football here on the show today because a lot of people are excited about spring ball right around the corner. I heard that UTEP right now will be going through workouts and a, a spring ball won't officially kick off until after spring break which is actually a good thing because you think about it spring break uh whenever you have it sandwiched in the middle of spring ball it kind of is a little bit of a distraction and it takes away from what you could do in a condensed amount of time for spring ball not to mention there's a whole new offense a whole new defense a whole new everything being implemented on this team so right now there's just a lot of new things uh zay from the 
early signing class, we saw some notable names. We saw some names that uh, really stood out to a lot of minor fans and to us here as the media members. Um, but now let's shift it over to National Signing Day, which is actually rapidly approaching. I think it's, what, February 8th, if I'm not mistaken? Yep. Uh, right around the corner. That's actually, what, two weeks from today. There you go. It's coming. It's coming. Right around the corner. And uh, so for that February 8th uh, National Signing Day, you give me your thoughts. Uh, give me some of the names that we need to know right now, some of the uh, – whether they've already been signed, whether they've already committed, or whether they are um, you know, still being scouted by UTEP. Who are some of the names that we need to know? And then uh, Sal and I will react after the fact. Yeah, definitely the one that's caught my eye the most, and I, I think he's just a very talented player. It's one of the Austin P guys, Xavier Smith. Uh, he, he recently signed. I think it was only like a couple of weeks ago, so he wasn't part of that big group that Scotty bought over initially. But um, he's a he was a freshman defensive back last year at Austin P. Uh, he originally started at Colorado, so I mean, you know, he obviously has the talent. He was big time. He's one of the best freshmen in you know FCS football, and um, he's just really fun to watch. He, he makes big time plays. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know who he was at first. I didn't even know UTEP was going after him. But I'm glad they got him because this guy's a baller, right? We, we've seen UTEP kind of, you know, really go hard, especially safety linebacker. And he's just one of one of the next ones that uh, I think will play a big role this season. Okay, Xavier Smith, that's one name. Give me an, another one. Uh, obviously, Dylan Brown-Turner, Florida State guy, originally a North Texas commit. And, um, I mean, he's just a really good linebacker. He was really fun to watch at South Oak Cliff. He's a winner. He's a winner. I mean, Florida State arguably should have made the college football playoff this year. Uh, South SOC, you know, one of the best programs in Texas, you know, perennially in that state championship, you know, contention. So he's a winner. He brings over a winning culture. And, you know, he was at Florida State for a reason. He's a really good linebacker. So I'm really excited about him. So he's a three-star prospect, but you actually could make the argument that he probably could have been a four or even uh, this might be crazy to say a five-star prospect maybe a four-star had he not been injured and pretty much out his entire junior football season so really the evaluators only had a sophomore year to evaluate named him a three-star prospect senior year we all know that at that point you're like uh, an old man in high school football so that one doesn't really count to a lot of your uh, scouting or recruiting so that's probably where he got solidified a three-star guy I don't want to really dive too much into the politics behind that you know how the guys are rated. The point is, I like his his uh, um, you know I, I guess kind of like his numbers. So he's um, he had 151 tackles, five tackles for losses, three sacks, an interception, a forced fumble in 17 games at the varsity level out of the Metroplex area. Six foot one, two ten linebackers. So numbers look good there. Zay, I like that one. Give me another name. Yeah, you know, talk about a guy. Talk about ratings. This is a really highly rated linebacker from um, Cleveland High School in Albuquerque, Stratton Schufelt. I mean, his dad played here, Pete Schufelt. Uh you know, dominant player went to the NFL, and this guy, the number one player from New Mexico. So you know, you're you're kind of planting your flag in that state, right? Planting your flag and recruiting around this area, and uh, he's just a really good player. I mean, he's a three-star number one player in New Mexico for a reason. He had offers to, of course, both of the New Mexico schools, Washington State, Air Force. Um, you know, I think UConn was even in there. So uh, just a really good player, and um, talk about that linebacking crew. They're going to be young, but you know, it looks. Looks like they have a lot of talent there. 
Yeah, uh, Sal, I'll bring you in on this one right here. Uh, Sufelt. Uh, am I saying it right? Sufelt. Sufelt. What, what uh, are we saying? We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to Shufelt. ask him. Yeah. yeah, we'll ask him. <laughs> regardless, uh, Pete Sufelt once wore the UTEP colors, like uh, Zay just mentioned right there. Now Strat is uh, announcing that he'll be there. He actually, uh, toward the end of his recruiting, he got contacted by teams like Baylor, by teams like USC, Colorado. So you heard all the other ones that Zay reeled off right there, yet he chose UTEP. So that's a big one right there. Just kind of getting the number one commit out of uh, the state of New Mexico. Last guy to come out of Albuquerque, you started for the minors, Gavin Hardison, right? Hey, man. <laughs> Took him to a bowl Is game. that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, Yo, I mean, You trying to sell me on this guy? Um, no, I, I think uh, when it comes to the linebacking group and really just the defensive uh, recruiting that they've been doing um, – they, they got a lot of shoes or big shoes to fill. You look at some of the, the guys who are not coming back, Praise Mayhule, uh, Tyree Snipe, plenty of other, um, you know, solid players. On James defense. Neal, even James on Neal, the linebacking you know, you, side. You mentioned it. So um, there's a lot of guys who they're going to have a tough time replacing. And I know um, Mayhule, not necessarily a linebacker, but it, right. it, he was still in that front, right? And, and I think um, they're going to want to be physical up front, which I think every team wants to, but they're going to try and instill uh, a type of fear to the uh, – the the offense whenever they're on the field so um they're hitting it hard, man. Some of the highest recruits being on defense for this minor team. So I, I know that Coach Wallen is more of an offensive guy. You know, I, I think I could say one word, can't even go, you know, get a glass of water before the next play because next thing you know, the series is over. That's how fast he moves on offense. But to hit the defensive side um, has been huge. Rio Rancho Cleveland, 6A. Get this. He was actually an all-state selection every uh, each of his four seasons in varsity. So um, that's something, right? I mean, even if you want to – uh, downplay the state of New Mexico's football scene um, being all state four years in a row that means something right and especially for Rio Rancho Cleveland a historically a solid football program all right Zay give us another name well you know this is tough but I'm definitely gonna go Javon Jackson and I say it's tough because UTEP already has about you know maybe 10 11 other running backs on this roster but I mean Javon Jackson over 1300 yards last year I think it was 10 touchdowns from Austin P and um he just knows this offense already he'll he'll he kind of gets a head start again uh, over everybody else right he'll he'll probably be UTEP's you know main source of offense for maybe you know first couple of games while everybody's kind of filling out Scotty's system so I mean he's a big time get he's a really good player and um you know not much else I can say besides the fact that you know he was recruited by other you know teams kind of in UTEP's boat North Texas UConn teams like those Okay. Uh, his dad, James Jackson, actually, interestingly enough, played at Jacksonville State. So a little conference, you say, connection, right? There you go. Um, I like it. He's a management major, by the way. And uh, he ha- he was on the All-American team out of the FCS Football Central second team All-American. Um, he was also a first team all-conference running back. So, yeah. I mean, he comes in with accolades. He comes in with some prowess behind him. I'm excited to see what he can do undersized at five foot eight but uh dynamic from everything i've seen so far redshirt sophomore which is another pretty strong thing that you could get him there for two seasons at utep all right give us one more name zay yeah let's go with um Ooh, okay you know it's tough because utep has a lot of you know transfer portal guys that they brought in after the early signing period but a lot of them you know they're, they're really young i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with Let's go with Yes Man Green, Jacksonville State guy. 
And um, Good he's name. a DB. Um, he, he's had some injury issues, obviously, but I, I'm really excited about him. You know, obviously, he comes over from, I think, what's the new defensive coordinator, the co defensive coordinator who was the safety coach there? Seigler or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Ke- Kelvin Seigler. So um, obviously, he knows, you know, kind of what he's getting out of a guy like Yes Man Green. And, you know, Jacksonville State, they were a good defensive unit. Uh, their yes. safeties are defensive, the defensive backs specifically, they were really good. So I'm excited about a guy like him and, and how he's going to pay with you know the, the tons of other defensive back guys that UTEP has picked up this offseason. So uh, there you go. There's your little UTEP football corner um, here from UTEP Zay. So I appreciate that, Zay Galindo, uh, here on the show. I like Yesman Green. Just to round things out here, a six foot two junior. I love the size. Give me size in the secondary. That's all I ask for for UTEP. They're going to go up against some sizable receivers across Conference USA. And if you're lacking size on your own in different areas like why receiver being one of them uh give give this team some size in other areas so i like green's six foot two frame at 190 could end up being a starting corner when it's all said and done so good stuff there zay hey guys let's wind up the show here with some awards uh to close things out so i'm going to ask both of you guys for an award so i'll ask you player of the game uh zay i'm going to ask you for hot hand of the game and there are different options right here so you could look at guys like tay hardy you could look at otis frazier you could look at even somebody like David Terrell Jr. who came off the bench and helped out in this matchup. Uh, Zid Powell had seven points in this game as well, so um, a lot of different candidates, and it's hard to kind of pick, you know, especially when the Miners lose. It's always tough to give out awards, but uh, that's usually how we wind up things here on Miner Talk, so let's do it. Let's start off with our hot hand of the game. Again, Zay, I've asked you for a lot of things tonight. I'm going to ask you for another one. Give us the hot hand of the game. This is brought to you by Wind Supply El Paso. Yeah, you know, this is tough, obviously, as you said, because, you know, UTEP struggled in today's loss. And you can go a lot of different ways. You can go a lot of different ways. Um, for me, um, I'm going to go with, you know, ah, all right, I'll, I'll just do it. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Otis Frazier. And okay. He, it's because he got to line. He was one of the only aggressive ones. And he talked about how he kind of disappears in, in road games. But, you know, he, he was aggressive today. He got to line. He was really physical, especially, you know, bringing down rebounds, stuff like that. There was a lot of, you know, non-shooting fouls that, that helped him get to line two. So, you know, 11 points, 7 to 10 from the line, 2 of 8 from the field. I think uh, I think he had a very good game, and he did help, you know, UTEP kind of kickstart some of their runs. You know, Otis Frazier in this matchup, eight points in the second half alone. So he is our hot hand of the game. Hey, if you uh, watch the Wind Supply of El Paso commercial, you might notice that Otis Frazier third is the one freezing outside uh, while his friends, Tay Hardy, Kevin Callu, and Calvin Solomon are warm inside. Well, you can be, uh, you don't have to be like Otis Frazier third. You could be like the guys inside in your comfortable house thanks to a champion furnace from Wind Supply El Paso. You can check them out online, windsupplyelpaso.com. Check out the Find a Dealer tab and find your nearest champion dealer, windsupplyelpaso.com, the the, uh, sponsor here on Minor Talk of our Hot Hand of the Game Award. Let's switch it over, Sal. Let's go to the Player of the Night Award. Where are we going here? 
Um, you know what? I'm going to go with somebody who did not lead the team in minutes. Um, didn't lead them in a lot of uh, categories, but I, I think he impacted the game uh, the best way he could and um, made more winning plays than losing plays, and that's David Terrell Jr. Nice. I love the name. Okay, give it, give me your reasoning why. The, the reasoning why, um, you know, three for nine, not the greatest. What is that, like 33%, something along the lines of that. He goes two for three from the charity stripe, but he's dishing it around. He leads the team in assists at five for tonight. Only two fouls in what was a, a game that um, I guess the defense tried to be active and, and got in some foul spots that, that were bad for them disrupting momentum. Only one turnover but he gets two steals as well and when it comes to the plus minus um, I mean more or less Masomeno's not too much, not too little, right at zero. So I think he made a lot more winning plays than losing plays today. And um, when he was on the floor, you could tell that though. I don't want to say a sense of comfort. They were losing a large part of it, right? But um, you could tell that it was necessary for him to be out there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna accept all the turnovers and the fouls and all that kind of stuff from David Trail Jr. Because I agree with you. I thought he did have the best performance tonight of the minors, and I think that you just hold uh, hang on to these nice performances by a true freshman like him eight points five assists I love those five assists and those two steals in 29 minutes of action plus seven today uh, tonight here in terms of efficiency David Terrell Jr. winning uh, this award here tonight and this is thanks to Timothy Cantrell hey if you're looking to list your home here in El Paso if you're looking to buy a home here in El Paso look no further Timothy Cantrell uh, can be your trusted realtor who can guide you throughout the entire uh, process Timothy Cantrell, uh, you could check him out on social media, Facebook and Instagram for the latest listing and tips. And that is Timothy Cantrell. Give him a call if you want to get started. 915-204-8441. That's 915-204-8441 for Timothy Cantrell Realty uh, here on Minor Talk. Guys, that's going to be how we wind up here tonight's uh, show. We will be back at it on Saturday. It is Sam Houston State on the road. A three o'clock tip off and we'll have you covered here two thirty with a countdown to tip off show voice the miners john teicher out there uh in huntsville texas quick check-in on scores right now uh it looks like sam houston still hanging on to a lead it's now by five 64 59 over new mexico state see if they can hang on and defeat the aggies in this one or if the aggies can rally back and win in this game and it looks like the minor women's basketball team have a shot to beat la tech i told you how they were down in the first half uh fourth quarter action under four minutes to go 53 49 what do you say zay what do you, uh can this team pull it off well this is this is where they've been a lot a lot of the season they're in games right um you know if you watch this women's basketball team you know they're they're not a bad team they're not as bad as their record shows they're in a lot of these games but they really do have trouble closing out so you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens it's the mari Petri game 15 points six of 12 from the floor and uh she also has four rebounds but uh aaron wilson 10 rebounds flirting with the double double with eight points uh to go along with it they've kind of shut out uh jada Sinde in this matchup. She has eight boards, five points, but can't get things going uh, in terms of shooting. Let's see if they can hang on to this win. By the way, La Tech leading for almost 30 minutes in the minors just for this past six minutes of the game so far. Four lead changes in this game as well. Hey, that'll do it for us here on Minor Talk. For Zay, for Sal, I'm Adrian saying so long and thanks for listening to Minor Talk presented by the Oscar Arieta Agency only on 600 ESPN El Paso.